and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me? Don't say that, Master. You're the closest thing I have to a father. Then why don't you listen to me? I am trying. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Ryan Daly. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 479. Otherwise known as the Obi-Wan preview episode. <laughs> as we keep our fingers crossed that somehow this one does not get screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I would be so as, as depressed as I think we both were when with Last Jedi, if that came out. If, if, if this turns into like a, the Last Jedi of TV shows, I, I don't know. Well, uh, you'll have to talk me off the ledge. I know that. <laughs> but let's try to be let's try to be positive (laughs) this is certainly this this is certainly the show i'm looking forward to the most of anything that they've anything that we've known has been coming for a while even back when it was supposed to be a movie which still kind of annoys me that it never got to be a movie but who knows it may it may turn out for the better i mean we're certainly getting more material right I think because of the talent involved, I'm kind of on the same wavelength of being like the, of having the most expectations and the most anticipation for this one. Um, not necessarily for the content or what might unfold, but we'll see. We'll, we'll talk more about that. I do have, a, I have a lot of faith in Deborah Chow, mm-hmm. but Me you too. have that, you have that Emperor Palpatine, dark specter of Kathleen Kennedy hovering over everything. <laughs> and that just, that does, that does give me pause. And, and again, at some point, maybe even if we don't, don't go into specifics when it comes to what we are, either what we expect out of the show or what could derail it, that obviously there are certain rumors that are going around about related to what's actually going to be in this show mm-hmm. that, that there are, let's put it this way without even as a looking, you know, big picture, there are, there are at least some reasons to be somewhat concerned if any of this, if some of these things turn out to be true, but we don't know that it's true. <laughs> right, right, right. So let's start with something really easy. What, what, what would you like to get? What would you like or you want to see from this show? Uh, well, I mean, obviously in terms of, or, or is like anything that's been revealed at this point through the trailers fair game. We can discuss that. Yes, I think so. Um, but I'm going to put, the, then don't the, worry. I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a spoiler like disclaimer yeah, on this anyway. The, the day that we're recording this episode, just a couple of hours ago, Vanity Fair released a big article on uh, kind of previewing all of the television series that uh, Disney plus is doing in the next couple of years. Um, so they had a, a few extra little uh, tidbits of information there. So um, I can, I can say easily the thing that I am most looking forward to in the show is the bounty hunter for LOM, uh, which we, we, we saw a brief glimpse of him or a droid that looks very much like him in one of the previews. Um, and I'm, I'm only half joking about that, but I've always, for some reason, I've always liked that character from the Empire Strikes Back. We just see him standing in the background. Everybody focuses on Boba Fett, obviously, and Bosk and IG-88. But I always thought that the weird little droid who looked like a black C-3PO with a bug head, I just thought there was something cool about him. So I'm, I really want to see him in action. Plus, Forlam and Zuckus is such a good team. Man. They were. They were. I actually, I, just a couple of weeks ago, I went back and reread their short story from Tales from the Bounty Hunters. Um, yeah, I, I mean, as I as I kind of alluded to at the beginning, like I'm in this I'm in this headspace with with Star Wars that I'm I'm a little bit frustrated because I want them to push 
forward. I want them to tell new stories, introduce new characters, take the saga forward. But I think right now they're in this like Disney overall, like it's kind of keeping them in a holding pattern where they want to let the movies control what happens after the rise of Skywalker. And they're not going to release any new books or comics or things set after that, which might advance characters like Ray and Finn and BB eight and everything, because they don't want to have to backtrack. If five years from now, they get those actors to come back for a new movie and whoever they sign on to make the movie doesn't want to do a story where, you know, Ray is now a mother of her, her own or something, wants to tell something different. So they don't want to make the, those new books or comics null and void. So they're not going to tell stories. So what's the consequence of that? Everything now is backfill and they're just filling in more gaps and more stories and more prequels. And I'm just kind of, okay. I, you can do some interesting stuff with that, but the thing about a character like Obi-Wan Kenobi that we're going to be talking about, the, the, the danger is this story that they're doing with the show might be really good, but at the end of the day, are we going to think it's an essential Star Wars? Because I already know how his story begins, and I know how his story ends, and I know the most important things that he's ever done in his life. So this story... It can be entertaining, but it also feels a little bit like filler. And that was kind of the one thing that was keeping me from being excited about that. But what I can get excited for, and what I have kind of grown and, and sort of thought about and put it in this perspective is, I'm strangely, I'm rooting for the cast in this more than anything. Ewan McGregor and kind of strangely now Hayden Christensen, who I never thought I'd, I'd care that much about. I'm happy that they're getting a second chance to play these characters for an audience that is now much more supportive, much more embracing and rooting and championing these characters. And in the Vanity Fair you know, article that I mentioned, you know, Ewan McGregor, he talks about it. it was really hard. I mean, I think fans always liked him as the character when he was a kid when he, or when he was younger, when it came out in 99. But he was well aware that critics and contemporaries did not receive The Phantom Menace well. And he kind of started to dread doing the next two movies. And it just it wasn't fun. It wasn't a good experience for him. And I know Hayden Christensen just kind of felt like the same thing. Like he was not embraced by the fans at the time. And it was a shadow that has loomed over his life for a long time until we've now kind of reached that point where a new generation grew up with the prequels as their star Wars, as their gateway. And they love these characters. Now they don't judge them the same way people who grew up on the, the original trilogy, the same way now, even a younger generation is going to grow up with the Disney trilogy and, and Ray and Kylo Ren. And will think of them differently than they think of the prequels. And it's just, it's because star Wars is generational. We are witnessing that play out. So I kind of lost myself there, but what I, what I meant is I'm, I'm really excited to see Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen play these parts with, I think, better material, better scripts, better directing, and a more, not just forgiving, but a more appreciative audience. So I, I just want them to have a good experience. I want to be able to see scenes of Hayden Christensen either as a flashback Anakin Skywalker or as Darth Vader and say like, yeah, I like that. He did a good job. He, he did a, he did an all right. Like, and, and for you and McGregor to be like that, that was worth the wait. That was worth coming back to this property after 15 or 20 years or whatever um, to make this one and have a better experience with this character. And I can get into other little details of things that I would like to see, but big picture I'm I'm going into this one kind of just rooting for a good experience and good performances from the cast because I think they they deserve they deserve a good chance. I mean I, I don't want anybody to make a, to be in a Star Wars movie and have it ruin their life. I mean like I mean to have like people like Kelly Marie Tran have to leave social media because of the death threats she receives or that poor Jake Lloyd 
who felt like George Lucas ruined him for, you know, decades and everything just because of what he would be accosted at conventions and stuff like that. So big picture overall, my, my first, the thing that I'm most expecting or the most excited about is a good, a good experience for these actors and these characters to come back and do it again after so long. And I think that's a very good point because I think number one, I think the cast that we know of and not counting any cameos, obviously, that we don't know or we we suspect we know but haven't been confirmed that we already know the main cast is is, is a good cast mm-hmm. and I, and I also think your point about I mean you nailed the stuff with Ewan pretty much on the right the nail on the head because most people would and even people who don't like the prequels and you're obviously one of them for the most part that Ewan I McGregor think- is usually the thing that people will point to is like okay well this is still this was the best part of the of the prequel and Hayden did absolutely he kind of was he kind of followed the tradition of Jake Lloyd and Ahmed Best of people from the prequel trilogy that did not that kind of got shafted on certain levels because people were unhappy with to a certain extent the direction of the prequels took based on what their expectations were right but also compared directly to the original the original three movies right but now not just, I mean, partially what you're saying also about the gen, it's generational, gener, generational when people grow up, especially if you happen to be somebody who grew up watching it in episodic order, as opposed to chronological order and how they were made, you would feel different about yeah, the pre- yeah. And also, and honestly, and you could, and you are probably going to be right about the sequel trilogy, how people will de- like 10 years from now might view that, but the sequel trilogy has also helped to a certain extent, rehabilitate the prequels, even with their warts and all, because of the fact that at least there was a core. It may not have been the story we wanted to see and how we wanted to see it, but it was a story and knew where it was, knew where it was going. And one person was steering the ship. And that's not what we got. You know, it's kind of like we had Jim from Taxi steering the, (laughs) (laughs) steering the sequel trilogy. Like, I I think if anything, like, like the people who were intensely critical of the prequel trilogy who over the last couple of years got to see this new perspective where there were a lot of diehard fans of the prequel trilogy. We, and we just kind of scratched our heads. We're like, where is this coming from? Why do they like these movies so much? We thought it was just universally understood that everyone hated these movies. Like where's the second resurgence or where's this resurgence of love and for this coming from. And then when the sequel trilogy, now there's this divisiveness between the prequels and the sequels and their fandoms kind of hating each other. And it's, it's easy for some of us to take the long view and go, Oh, I get it now. It's because this star Wars belongs to them. And that star Wars belongs to this group. And it's like, we all, it's like, oh, I get it now. It's just because of where you were. Because, like, I, anecdotally, I saw somebody on Twitter said something like they, they went to the Galaxy's Edge at one of the Disney uh, land retreats or whatever. And they said, overwhelmingly, the kids, like, under a certain age group, they were all dressed as Ray. It's like, it's because those are, like, that's theirs now. That's that audience, that age group. They're going to grow up loving those movies. And, yeah, there are plenty of problems with the sequel trilogy, but those problems are they, they're not they're going to be looked at through rose covered glasses by the kids who grew up with that as their Star Wars. So it's just yeah, it's it is it's yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it, it's it, it's inter- it is interesting. I mean, to a large extent, uh thank you Ryan Johnson. Is George, George Lucas probably well, on one level George Lucas probably thinks that and another he just wants to bang his head against the wall. <laughs> but the idea that yeah, the prequels the prequels look better in by comparison with the sequels, just if for no other reason, because there was a plan may not have been the plan. You and I would have chosen that we were sitting down to write all three movies, but there was, but, but there was, you know, but there was, but there was a plan. And so I've re I've rewatched them a couple of times and I can say that the sequel trilogy movies are all really good as standalone movies. Like if, if you think of the rise of Skywalker as the only star Wars movie, it's not that bad. <laughs> I mean, of- yeah, like we talked about when we did the review, the, uh, the Rise of Skywalker is ent- is entered it's entertaining, and you and even though yes, there's still things that yeah, we won't go we won't go off on this too much, but 
there are things that Abrams could have done better, but he also has the a, a certain amount of a hall pass because we know he had to do basically episodes eight, nine in one movie. Thanks to Ryan Johnson doing the doing like the Porky's to the next day of Star Wars and having the, not moving the plot forward at all and literally having it take place like a day after the first move, the last movie. So we know we had a lot of a lot of heavy lifting to do. It, it would have been hard. It would have been hard for uh, Orson Welles to make that movie be coherent when you had so much to do and since you basically lost two and a half hours of story time but but Mm -hmm. what i'm looking forward to besides the cast i'm now this is also based on the premise that we already know they're kind of deconstructing obi-wan to put him back together which makes which inherently makes sense i do get it based on that because we know that essentially why anakin was the one who had all the physical damage obi-wan essentially is the one with all the emotional and psychological baggage from what happened in 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 Revenge of the Sith, and not just because of what happened with him and Anakin, but because he's going to basically blame himself for everything that happened, where, mm-hmm. which will suit, you know, and I think it's a vocal minority, but the, either the Obi-Wan haters or the Anakin apologists who really believe that, who really think that, oh, Obi-Wan really is the problem, that if Anakin was left, that if Anakin just had, you know, if Qui-Gon had just trained Anakin, or if, if Obi-Wan was a better teacher at the time, blah, 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 Anakin would have turned out all right. Anakin essentially was the problem, Yes, would an older, would an older, more experienced Obi Wan have done better with Anakin? Of course he would. Would Qui Gon have done better to a certain extent? Which doesn't mean that he, Anakin still wouldn't have fallen. But would he have done better because Qui Gon thought outside the box and was less traditional? Yeah, but but Anakin essentially is the problem. He he had his own flaw, his flaws and his weaknesses that he couldn't overcome. But we but Obi Wan is going to be buying into the that sentiment when this when this show begins, and he's going to be blaming himself for everything. And the idea of putting those pieces back together, or hopefully by the end of that's what I what I want to what I want to see. I want to see by the end of this, by the end of this six episode series event, that after Obi Wan and Anakin square off again, Obi Wan and Vader, and and, and Obi Wan wins the final confrontation, that Obi Wan is Obi Wan as we know he will be in Episode Four, as we know he's in by the time we get to Rebels. Dressing basically, he is who he is, and he's not going to mess. He's not going to be announcing to the world, "Here I am," but he's going to like, you know, but he's dressing like a Jedi again, which he's really not in this when the show begins for understandable reasons. But I think there's something by the time we get, I expect him to be. It's like, you know, this is who I am, and plus, realistically speaking, probably everybody's going to think he's dead anyway (laughs) by the end of this series. So it's easier to walk around Tatooine in, in your traditional outfit. But I just want, but seeing Obi Wan put back together and being the character, even if it's the first step on that journey of of him being complete again, to a certain extent, at peace with himself. Yeah. Yes, and and being the the more confident version. I mean, he was confident, obviously, in in, in the prequels, especially Revenge of the Sith. But the idea that he's more like the Alec Guinness version version in Episode Four, or along that, starting down that road, mm-hmm. where you know where he where he is completely he believes completely in what his purpose is and what his mission is which right. of course at this point he's going to be torn about that thanks and Owen's going to rub his face in it <laughs> yeah the ultimate meme forever now <laughs> that is funny though which makes you which does raise another question it makes it makes you wonder exactly how much Owen knows about exactly Actually, what happened I, I did bring I, I had a couple of questions about that first of all and I I, that is something else that I hope we actually get more face time with Owen and Baru. And I think if you're bringing an actor who, I mean, Joel Edgerton had really was really nothing at the time that he was cast in, in uh, Revenge of the Sith, but you know, we know now has grown into become a much more critical and praised actor, and he's actually got some clout. So to have him come back into this role, you're not going to waste that. So I'm hoping and I'm expecting that we're going to have some quality time with them, flesh them out, make that couple feel like real people um but I'm, I'm kind of wondering like do they know specifically what happened with anakin that he went to the dark side or just that he died along with the rest of the jedi i would assume obi-wan wouldn't tell them the details of that and kind of keep that from but i i mean i don't know for sure of that but yeah i i mean i, I don't know I, and think of some of the other questions like i'm the, kind of putting in, in like the, the chronology of events, when Obi-Wan leaves Mustafar, does, does, is he assuming that Anakin is dead at this point? So will we actually, 
I mean, will we get the moment when he actually realizes in this show that Darth Vader is Anakin? Will we have that aha moment? Or does he already know? Has he, like, heard about Darth? Like, did he never heard Anakin referred to as Darth Vader in, in Revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah, he did. And when they were watching the, when they, when he and Yoda were watching the recordings. Oh, okay. Because remember, okay. Yoda says to him that, uh, cause, uh, the boy you train, Gani, is consumed by Darth Vader. Okay. So, right. so the, so the, so the, an- the real answer will be if, if during his exile on Tatooine, if, if the name Darth Vader has made its way around the circles where people, right. you know, from via reputation that, that, that mm-hmm. Darth, that, there's a henchman for the Empire named Darth Vader, because obviously, if, yeah, that's that's going to be that's going to be the for, question mark. For dramatic purposes, I hope we get that moment. And then, I mean, that could be spurning Obi-Wan to action throughout part of the plot. I, I mean, in Return of the Jedi, when Luke is approaching Vader and says, come with me, turn your back to the dark side, you know, come like he's trying to save him. Vader says, Obi-Wan once thought as you do. Is he referring to their confrontation on Mustafar or possibly a later scene in this show? Are we going to get something where Obi-Wan sees Vader and tries to convince him to, to redeem himself in this one? Um, I don't know. We, we'll find out. I'm, I'm hoping that we get something like that where Obi-Wan, they're not just fighting like they're sworn enemies, but Obi-Wan tries to get him back. Which I do agree with, by the way, that to me, that's, the only re- reason I can buy into having another confrontation between Vader and Obi Wan before the Death Star is for because of that line in Jedi, right. because oh, not not that he had much of a chance to, and Mustafar he had more important things to worry about, and he was more like scolding Anakin in the beginning, uh, pointing out which is understandable too, pointing out the errors of his ways or whatever. What the hell are you thinking? But we never had that moment when Obi-Wan really tries to bring Anakin back. So mm. if the room, and this is one of the rumors that concerns me about this, that we, you know, there are, you probably heard it too, that there's rumors that they fight twice in this, in this show, Yeah, which, which really bothers me. But if there is, but if that's going to happen, I'm going to suspect the first fight where Obi-Wan doesn't do well is probably the fight where he's trying to reach Anakin and mm-hmm. he's trying to bring him back. And that's part me, part of the reason besides his own guilt and limiting what you know, his heart not being in it, that that will be when he's trying to appeal to Anakin. But yeah, if that's not in this, I would think that that's a huge, that's a huge misstep. And there's, and there's really just like a a cash grab to have them fight again. If they don't have that. You know, it would be, I I just thought of this and and this would be crazy, but what would be interesting is if they actually like borrowed something from splinter of the mind's eye. And if like, like Vader is going to kill Obi-Wan or something and like force ghost Qui-Gon intervenes and like helps Obi like save Obi-Wan some hours like that. I don't know. That would be. Well, not fi- I mean, again, since we're drifting. In- I, I don't know. if Yeah. I don't know if Qui-Gon is even in this. I've, I've He's both, the, the rumor is that he, the rumor is that he, that he is because the I would rumor, be surprised if he isn't. Yeah. yeah. It would make no sense. I mean, I mean, cause he is, because number one, we know Obi Wan was going to be communing with him, and maybe it's and again, I think there's a hint based on things that have come out that maybe mm-hmm. Obi Wan might be in a similar place, not exactly, but a similar place to where Luke is in Episode Eight, where he's kind of like like walled himself off from the Force a little bit, so he's not communicating with Qui Gon regularly anymore. Mm-hmm. But the rumor, but the rumor that I heard was that basically Qui Gon does play a role in help, basically giving Obi Wan the pep talk or whatever that he needs in that final fight with Vader. Or to prep, or maybe to to prep him after the first fight that doesn't go well, that he's he's kind of like a catalyst for helping Obi Wan like kind of get himself back back together. Mm-hmm. So. Well, to to support kind of the speculation where we've been going with Vader and and his interactions with Obi Wan. Um, again, going back to the Vanity Fair article, in it it says um, Deborah Chow really pushed to have Vader in this show. And like the the writers and and the producers and everybody who was on board at first, you know, back when this was still going to be a movie, when it was still uh, like going to be a movie, there was no Vader in the script or in the story. Um, And then they started thinking about, well, is there a way to have Vader in it? And when Deborah Chow came aboard, she really, really pushed and was like one of the ones championing that no Vader is important to Obi-Wan's story at this point. And it was sort of like, she talked about the the love between these two characters and that, how that had been shattered and devastated. It's like, you can't 
show Obi-Wan at this point in his life and not still be focusing on the repercussions of Darth Vader and, and where that is. So given the kind of things that she was saying, the, the way she was describing their relationship, I would trust that Vader will be used for the emotional resonance that it has with Obi-Wan and Ewan's performance, not just the way he was used in Rogue One, where, oh yeah, it's cool to see guy in black suit coming out with a lightsaber kicking ass. You know, like, there's, there's, the, the emotional component has to be core to this. So I think that lends some support to our speculation that they're like Obi-Wan might try to convert him, might try to turn him back, might try to redeem him in this, and that there will be some different steps and different fights along the way to, to, to kind of go along with that before he finally has to give up, before he's finally to the point where he is in Return of the Jedi, where he's like, no, he, it's like where Luke is saying, I, there is still good in him, and he's like, no, there really isn't. Yeah, their, their stories are their stories are so tied together, and and it's also the fact that which is intro which again if you want to delve into vader and figure out that if you want to look at some of the hints that despite how how lost he was that on some levels that they were still anakin in him the fact that he had this animosity clearly towards obi-wan but yet on some level i'm not going to say he spoke glowingly of obi-wan but there were but there were a lot of things that he said in the original trilogy were po- that were positives especially about you know obi-wan has taught you well and all these things it's like He's kind of acknowledging a lot of, you know, that, that he's acknowledging some positives to Obi-Wan as opposed to just, I hate you. I don't want, I, I, don't, don't say that name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I thought even, even, I mean, when you think about it, there's, I mean, there's very few moments in the, in the trilogy that he doesn't even refer. I mean, most of the time he refers to him as Obi-Wan to begin with It's, it's only like a, there may only be that one instant when he refers to him as Kenobi. Like in the original Star Wars, it's almost always Obi-Wan, Obi. So that I always thought was kind of interesting psychologically, psychologically too. Mm-hmm. So I think so that, so it would be cool to see the impact maybe on each other of them both finding out that, I mean, he, I mean, obviously it's reasonable to believe that Vader is upset, b- believes Obi-Wan is alive because maybe he would just sense that Obi-Wan wasn't. Yeah. That, I mean, that was something else that I was kind of thinking about because, um, while, while Obi-Wan might have believed that Anakin was dead, Vader would have no reason to suspect that Obi-Wan was dead. Um, at least like, if like the clones didn't track him down or there wasn't proof. So like how much of the inquisitor's mission is specifically looking for Obi-Wan or does it like something set off? Like that kind of reminds him. I wonder like once, I, I, cause I was, I was sort of thinking, you know, like if you just think about the original trilogy and like the way it plays out, like then there's certainly cause like once we find out that Darth Vader is Luke's dad, it's like, why did Obi-Wan bring Luke back to his home planet to live with what we thought were like Vader's like his brother and sister? It's like, wouldn't Vader have gone back and maybe found that out at some point that seemed kind of dangerous and negligent on Obi-Wan's part. If you do watch them in episodic order, it makes a little bit more sense if Obi-Wan thought Anakin slash Vader was dead and no one would ever come looking for him. Um, and also if he believed that like just Padme died and there, there were no kids, it, it doesn't seem so dangerous, but yeah, I wonder if maybe once he figures out Vader's alive and once Vader knows that Obi-Wan is if at any point Obi-Wan thinks about getting Luke off that planet, if he regrets leaving him with Owen and Baru, uh, like they might have a target on their backs. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, in theory, I know that once that if you get the gist of what's going on or what's rumored to be going on in the show is that the, you know, the inquisitors don't, they don't come to Tatooine really looking for Obi-Wan. If someone else is looking for Obi-Wan and they kind of tail him or her. And that's the reason why they, then they become aware that, you know, Hey, this is, may not be a wild goose chase. And then Obi-Wan purposely leaves Tatooine to try to, to take because he knows everybody. It's like, I'm going to assume if this is true, that he will leave Tatooine in a pretty noisy way. So people know that he's leaving Tatooine a clumsy <laughs> way. So people because the whole point is they're going to follow him. You know, he's trying right. to lead them away from from Tatooine and, and, and from Luke. And then so so that would again, if that's true, then the resolution of the show would have to factor into where Vader is going to. The Empire at large is going to have to believe that Obi-Wan is really dead, or at least if he's not dead, that there's no that that he's so far away from Tatooine logically that there's no point going back 
or just they're using the or just using the hiding in plain sight logic. It's like, well, he's not going to go back to the same place again, and just and right. and so that so that's gonna that would be that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I I do I mean I'm I'm it would be weird not to see Palpatine. I'm going to assume we're going to see Palpatine in this, even if it's just a hologram conversation between Vader and because you would think finding Obi Wan would be pretty big news. <laughs> <laughs> that I think I think that's something I do that's something I do expect in this. Uh, it does one of the things that makes me nervous though is if it turns out if they get too sidetracked and it's not Obi Wan and Vader story if if this really gets hijacked way too much by the the Inquisitors especially Reva mm-hmm. if this really gets sidetracked that's the, that's probably one of my greater concerns about what could take this song thing off the rails if this ends up becoming like an Obi-Wan show in name, in, in name only, or it's like half, half an Obi-Wan show, but then it's, it's just as much about this inquisitor. And it's like, well, well, we, uh, so something that I'm, I'm expecting uh, so the, just again, pure speculation, but in terms of the structure of the show, when they made the change, they said they're pushing the release date back today, so it'll be Friday the 27th, but they're dropping episodes one and two at the same time. I believe the only other time Disney Plus did that was the first two episodes of WandaVision. I believe you are correct. And I think that is strategic because I'm expecting that in terms of action and plot progression, I bet not a lot happens in episode one of this show. I bet episode one is going to be very slowly paced, very quiet, almost tedious in how much we see what Ben's life has become or Obi-Wan's life has become. That just the, the daily grind of living and hiding on Tatooine, trying to see Luke, trying to see the Lars, trying to maybe having this relationship with, which by the way, I also am hoping that we get scenes between Obi-Wan and Luke because Luke knows who Obi-Wan Kenobi is. He yes. recognizes him. They're obviously not close, but like when he, when he wakes up, he, he knows who he is like on sight. Um, he doesn't know the whole, or he thinks he's Ben Kenobi. Um, but he obviously he, he can recognize. So they, they have some experiences together. But anyway, so yeah, I'm thinking the first episode is going to be all Tatooine, all Obi-Wan just going about this growing thing. We never see him take out the lightsaber, don't do anything like that. I think they're, even in like the promo shots and like pictures and stuff like that, we haven't seen that. I think that his lightsaber is going to be sheathed for a long time. And maybe, maybe at the end of episode one, we get a Star Destroyer over Tatooine or something like that. Or like some sense, like the Empire has come to this sleepy planet or whatever. And then episode two, we'll have the Inquisitors and we'll sort of kick off what they're doing, searching for this thing and kind of like jumpstart the plot. But I'm betting one of the reasons that they're doing two episodes on the first day is because episode one is going to be not much happens. And that's kind of the point of Obi-Wan's life at this point in his life. He's in hiding. He's trying to keep his low profile so he can't do anything obvious. And that's what I'm thinking for the first two episodes. And I would agree with that. I think that it probably much like WandaVision where they knew that the first two, the first two episodes, well, they were really smart with WandaVision because the first two episodes were super slow, but they gave, I think the first three to the screen on screener copies to the critics. Mm-hmm. So, so the things started to pick up by episode three. So they knew right. if they just gave them the first two, people were going to go, wow, this, this show kind of sucks so far. Initially. <laughs> but I think you're probably right. The first I, and again, based on different things, I think, our first hint of Vader is probably towards the end of episode two. So I think that would make sense that, mm-hmm. that the maybe the ball, you know, the, the hint that the ball is going to start rolling downhill happens at the end of episode one and episode two kind of gives us maybe the first real hint speeding things along. And then we might get our first hint of Vader or our first appearance of, or whether it's a real viewer Vader or just, you know, in the shot, whatever. I think, mm-hmm. I think, I think that does plot wise make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's what I would I would expect. I think you probably hit the nail right on the head about the pacing. I think that because obviously with a show like this, you can't you really can't afford to do that too long because you only have six episodes. <laughs> do we do we even know how long these episodes are? No, but I'm assuming they're probably in the forty to fifty minute range. That's usually 
Um, Actually, that's one of the things that I like about the Disney Plus shows is the episodes seem to be as long or short as they need to be. Um, like one of the episodes of Hawkeye was very short, but compared to the others, and it was just like, yeah, it, it did exactly what you needed to do in that episode. You didn't, you didn't need to add any extra like fluff or filler. It, that one was just about 30 minutes, but the rest were like more like 45. But yeah, I'm assuming they're going to be kind of in that range of like 40, 45 minutes or something. Yeah, I, I would, I would tend to guess that's what they're going to be too. I, I assume they're going to be, you know, hour-esque shows, which are, mm-hmm. which yes, on when it comes to streaming, pretty much means anywhere between. 42 to an hour. <laughs> yeah. right. And especially like with those shows, because of how long the actual credits are, the credits are long because they have to have like the credits in every single language. So oh, like, yes. I think the credits are like seven or eight minutes yeah. each. At least that's when you know, there's no more after credit scenes. Yeah. That once you start, <laughs> exactly. once you start getting to the, to the Chinese and the Arabic and all mm-hmm. these casting, it's like, okay, now I can just fast forward or move to the next, <laughs> or, or, or just clock out of that program. Uh, the, just touching on the one thing before I forget, and again, I'm hoping that we actually see some Obi-Wan and Luke interaction or Ben. Maybe we'll find out why exactly he calls himself Ben or why he picked that name or when in the continuity he picks that name. True. Um, uh, that, that actually would be something to, worthwhile to explore. Um, but if we get a scene like with him and, or Luke, at what point, oh, like, uh, <sighs> I wonder if we're going to see a, get a scene and maybe Luke isn't even in the scene, but when Ben wants to give, wants to pass on the lightsaber, wants to give it to him. And maybe it's because there is an immediate threat and he's like, look, like these, these people are here. They might come after him or I have to go away on this mission and I might not come back. The boy needs this. He's, he's going to need this to defend himself. And maybe Owen's like, no, I don't want that in my house. Get, a, get rid of it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think there might be something. We, I, I have a feeling we will see the lightsaber and maybe some establishment of like, like Ben wanting to give it to Luke and Owen saying, nope. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just like, a, just like I think you and I have talked about, I think that the, that this show in all likelihood will probably give us, I mean, we don't know what, and I guess when the show begins, we'll have an idea of what the relationship between Owen and Ben is. Mm-hmm. If, if it's was if it's contentious from the get go, or, or, or but either way, we're, I would suspect we're probably going to see the moment in this show where, from Owen's perspective, that it's like, well, maybe up to that point, you know, Ben was like kind of like this, kind of like almost not, and I mean this funny in a funny way, not literally, like the crazy uncle that stops by yeah, once yeah, in a while. Exactly. But at this point, but that we may see the point where because of the events of the show where Owen's once like, yeah. stormtroopers and inquisitors show up and it looks like they start like possibly executing people in the streets, then Owen's like, dude, you can't come near my family ever again. Yeah. Like, I don't, you, you're bringing this stuff. You're bringing this danger to me. We want nothing to do with you. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, would. I would. No, yeah. I, I. I think we'll. I think we'll have like a scene like that, and I'm. I'm looking forward to that because I think a scene like that between Joel Edgerton and Ewan McGregor could be really, really good. Yeah, I would agree. I think I'm just trying to think of other things for me that I. I am happy we mentioned this before, but I am happy that Hayden gets to be Vader because he, other than putting on the suit at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he really didn't get to do any. He didn't get to do any acting mm-hmm. as Vader. So, yeah. he, so now he gets to you know he played Anakin. So now he gets to play Vader and it's, and it's kind of, and it's cool to have the, to see. And again, we don't, we don't know the context of how much Vader we're going to see. We don't know the context of how much Vader we're going to see without his helmet. Obviously it's safe to assume we're going to see some or else there literally would be no point in putting him in the costume. If he's not going right. to be, you know, you know, seeing the, seeing the same, seeing the face, us, no, us in real, you know, seeing having physical evidence that, Oh Yeah. Not just from a continuity perspective, but it has more resonance. It's gonna it's mm. gonna echo with the with with the audience. That I think that's that's important, and it's, and it, it'll be you know give him an opportunity to do kind of that that he this may be Vader as they're hinting at at you know at his peak power, but he's also somebody who's very 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 <laughs> damaged not just physically but emotionally and and dealing with the repercussions of his own choices and where he and where he is. So and having Obi Wan come back into the picture is a it's an inter- it's an interesting development for both of them. So I think that is something that I'm yeah. that I'm looking forward to seeing. There's a there's a funny little bit in the Vanity Fair article where they're talking to Rosario Dawson when she she basically heard like the, the fan rumor that uh, Hayden Christensen was coming back to play Anakin slash Vader 
in the Ahsoka show. And she thought it was an actual confirmed report or something. So she tweeted out something like, like basically confirming it's like, Hey, this is so exciting and everything. Like, welcome back, bro. And like Lucasfilm like emailed her and just like, yeah, you got to take that off your Instagram feed or something like that. Does it? So there was sort of this nebulous, like, way, like, like within the article, they're like, is this an actual confirmation that he is in Ahsoka? Because officially they haven't said that, but they're kind of allowing them to talk about it like this. So it's, it's kind of like the worst kept secret. And, and Hayden Christensen, as much as like he's revealed that like in the couple, in the last couple of years, he's like gone back and binged, watched all of Clone Wars and Rebels. So clearly to do that would be to inform a relation, his relationship with Ahsoka. So uh, now we're like, yeah, we're, we'll see them at some point. Going off on that for a moment, yeah, I would be surprised. I, I kind of thought at this point, the last that, that I heard, I thought that was the official confirmation that, that he was that he was in it. But either, but I would suspect it would make it's going to make for some interesting choices and in how they're going to how they're going to pull that off if they're going to have Ahsoka and Anakin in the scene together. Considering what they're going to do with how they're going to are they going to de-age Rosario Dawson I mean, that much? I'm, I'm guessing unless. Unless he does like they have a force ghost Anakin. I mean, that is, that is kind of like the thing, like, like, I mean, it's, it's so weird. Like when you have to come back and like, look at all of these things in some sort of linear timeline, the fact that Luke could bring his father back to the good side for his final act of sort of redemption when they had no relationship, but Ahsoka couldn't be the person to do that, which like, that's why I like watching them all together and watching the seasons of Clone Wars and everything. It just makes like, yeah, there was clearly a much deeper relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka than there was between Anakin and either of his kids. But because of where the stories were told first and in that particular order, we ascribe this relationship between Luke and Vader that, did it was that earned or what? It's it's confusing. But anyway, like I can see them doing a flashback to them fighting together during the Clone Wars, possibly with a de-aged or a younger Ahsoka. I could also see a scene where Anakin appears to her as a Force ghost or something like that. Um, I could see. I could actually. I could actually see either one. And and you are correct. That's one of my age-old criticisms of Return of the Jedi that the redemption for Vader in that movie was was relatively. Weak, but 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 if you look at it from the perspective that at the end of the day, Anakin's being Anakin. It was self-serving for him to do what he did because <laughs> that, that, because I mean that's 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 the part that people that's the part that people always get confused or they get when they complain about like Palpatine being alive in in Rise of Skywalker. It's like oh Vader's sacrifice was for nothing. It's like no because Vader didn't sacrifice himself. For, Vader's Vader's priority wasn't killing the Emperor or joining the rebellion and going back to the Jedi. All he did was, at the end of the day, after much contemplation, way too much contemplation, it's like he decided (laughs) to save his son over the save his son versus from the guy who ruined ruined his life. But it still took him like an hour to make the decision. So Anakin just was being self-serving and like he always was. So at the end. So so it. So, yeah, I mean, it's like and plus the difference with Luke is that. He saw himself in Luke. He saw all the things that he could have been in Luke if he didn't make every wrong choice known to man. He mm-hmm. saw he saw it in his son. So it was it was just so that. But yeah, I think I think at the end of the day, that when it comes to Anakin and and Ahsoka, absolutely had a closer relationship. Just like as we saw in the Clone Wars, and they kind of gave you at least a decent amount of this in Revenge of the Sith. That despite where we saw them. For the, as adults for the first time in Attack of the Clones, where you thought, okay, these these two Obi Wan and Anakin had this contentious relationship, and here's the, here's the first major fissure, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. That we you find out when you look at the, the way things played out, that's not really what happened in their relationship. That they actually grew, they, they grew very close, and they were, and so the reality, so that uh, that actually makes what ended up ended up happening with Anakin even even worse is the fact that they were so. It is, it is really interesting, tragic, and and just just out and out sad that when Obi Wan and Anakin are having their final conversation as friends, when he's when he's going up, when Obi Wan's going to t- to take care of Grievous, and Anakin just has that moment when he's like being complete, when he's being like emotionally honest, and he's just you know he's apologizing for not being appreciative of his tra- of his training, 
mm-hmm. and the fact that you know ba- and basically making it clear that a lot of my frustrations aren't even with you it's with the with the jedi council <laughs> Right. That it's just that's just a raw, natural moment that in a way expresses how close they are, which is a nice scene. And it's even more tragic because it's you when you first see the movie, you kind of suspect this is going to be the case. But as it turns out, this is literally the last time that they're together as friends as Anakin and Obi-Wan. And from that point on, it's always Anakin and it's Vader and Obi-Wan and they're diametrically opposed. So Mm -hmm. There's there's a new book that just came out called Brotherhood. That's about Anakin and Obi-Wan. I think it takes place like immediately after Attack of the Clones. And it's not a period that I really, you know, care to, to, to do much, much more diving into, but I've just heard that the book is pretty good. So I might get a chance. I, w- I won't read it before the show comes out. And I, obviously I don't need to because it's not like it's, I don't think the book is going to inform the show all that much. But for the people who like the characters, it might be worth their while to check that out. Oh, I did remember when they first announced it that that was. That was a book that did, excuse me, that did intrigue me. So that might be something I do read at some point because I, because it would be good to have some. That's the one. That's one area where the obviously the prequels really drop the ball. But again, it's based on the time frame too, to a certain extent. But that goes that goes back to this, the decision to make Anakin such a pipsqueak in Episode One. If they had made him older, they could have they could have had more development of a, the relationship between Obi Wan, I think, right. and Anakin. Right. But the but the I but just the just the fact that you don't really get like Anakin as a hero, you don't really get to see much of that. It's more like right. it's more like you're told that what he is, you don't see it. But in the Clone Wars, you see it. Right. You, you get to see why he was held in such high regard by everybody, especially anybody who's ever fought ever ever fought with him in, during the Clone Wars. But of course, it doesn't make sense in the Clone Wars why they gave him an apprentice right after pretty much Attack of the Clones when he was so far re- so far not <laughs> not ready to get like, an apprentice. <laughs> I know why they did it to try to ground him, but the reality is we, he was a serious spoiled brat in Attack of the Clones. He was not ready to be teaching anybody. No, no. The Inquisitors, uh, I guess we've got to talk about them a yes. little bit. Uh, Obi-Wan is going to need at least a, at least a, a minor win in the show, you know, for, for the audience to have a sense of like catharsis and emotional release. Or we know he can't kill Darth Vader. He can't kill the High Inquisitor because we know what happens to him in Rebels along with uh, the other ones. So I'm expecting that this Reva character is going to be the one that we see get killed at the end. She's like the one bad guy who can who can actually get killed off. But they are I mean, supposedly she's like I, I think she is going to be in terms of screen time, have more presence than Darth Vader. So I, I hope she's a really cool, interesting character. Just obliquely, I heard the actress say that like she her kind of energy, her crusade, her obsession is different than Darth Vader's. And they kind of, they, they just, they play very differently in terms of ambitions and, and what they want and everything. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm curious. I, I just, since, since I imagine we're going to have a lot of time with her, I hope she's a cool, a cool villain that's worth the while. So. I do too. I just hope you don't, again, she doesn't, I just hope you don't get a pure, She's not the one who steals too much of the story. Mm-hmm. I hope that's the end. I certainly hope they don't. There's not there. They don't do anything in the show, which goes into some rumors that really will potentially retcon things and make things complicated for the make things messy with the time with things that we already know that have happened because because of the original movies and other things. So that's, are you talking about a rumor about Princess Leia? No, not, not so much. Well, I don't know if it's see, see. I don't know if I've heard the one about. I mean, I mean, I know Princess Leia is supposed. Spoiler alert! Like the whole show, Princess Leia is supposed to be in in the show, but it's supposed to be how the this series, how this show ends with Reva versus with it, Reva and Owen and Luke and Obi Wan and that. Well, I'll say it to you because we can always choose to cut it out of the episode. That supposedly. That Reva 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 figures it out, and mm. she and she has the opportunity to kill. They see she pulls a lightsaber on I think on either just Luke or all of them, and she just ultimately decides not to do it. And then she goes, she reports she has a change of heart, and she goes and she tells Vader that everybody that basically they're all dead, and Vader doesn't trust her, or doesn't believe her, and he kills her. That's the rumor that I heard is how the show is actually how it. So it would be a serious retcon. If basically somebody figures it out that it's Luke and then Obi-Wan basically was helpless and couldn't save Luke. And that would be that would be playing around with stuff a little bit 
a little bit too much. Yeah, I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping that's not the case either because uh but that's 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 what I've heard. What what was the rumor you heard about about Lightning? So then, and this was one I heard not a year ago. It wouldn't have been that long, but like months and months ago. And I've never heard any follow-up on it. So it was probably just, I might've had nothing to do, but I had originally heard was that the reason Obi-Wan left Tatooine in the first place is because princess Leia got kidnapped. Oh, that's right. That some one like thing like that or whatever going on and like held it ransom for, uh, for like that, you know, all run, you know, the bail organ bail organ has to like ransom her or something. And, just because Obi-Wan is the only one who knows, you know, that the stakes involved, he has to go and rescue her. But I was like, if that is the case, and I, I kind of don't think that is because I never heard anything else about that. Um, but if that was part of the story, then however he ends up contributing to her rescue, she can't know about it or she can't know who he is because when she gives the message in the first movie, she says, years ago, you served my father during the Clone Wars. Now he's asking you for help. Like she would have, she wouldn't have been that formal. She's not, she's talking to some guy who knew her dad. If she knew that Obi-Wan Kenobi rescued her from these, you know, kidnappers when she was 10 years old, she would have led with that. Uh, well, in the message, but. well, may probably, but then again, if she knows the connection, the reason, well, if she knows the reason why he eventually, why he saved her was because of the connection to her father, then mm-hmm. that's the card that she might play because that's where the loyalty comes into place. It's like, mm-hmm. I thought there was a different rumor you were talking about. Obviously, you and I, yeah, we, we had talked about that rumor and it, and it could, there could be a partial truth in it because it, because it could be one of those happy coincidences where, where Bell Organa actually needs Obi-Wan and, and it just conveniently, it fits perfectly into that Obi-Wan needs to get his ass off of Tatooine to take everybody with him. Even mm-hmm. though you would think the problem with that idea is that that means inadvertently he's putting them on the trail of Princess Leia at the same time. Right. right. Uh, even though, again, they're not looking for Leia either and they probably wouldn't think twice about it. If he would, him just rescuing or trying to help Bell Organa, it wouldn't help. I mean, it wouldn't help Bell Organa's and <laughs> in, in his relationship with Palpatine, but the point is it makes sense that just out of personal loyalty, why Obi-Wan would potentially want to help Bell Organa. So it wouldn't necessarily be, Oh my God, but you're right. It, it, it but it does open, it potentially opens the, the can of worms, maybe more than they would want to go down if they do that. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think if there's any, if there's other, any other. So is there anything that in particular that could, that could really, really, really derail the show for you that we haven't already discussed? If Boba Fett shows up for some reason, I'm just, I'm just, um, yeah. no, and I'm actually, I'm glad that this, that Dave Filoni isn't, isn't involved in this. I think he does, he's done a masterful job playing with his particular corner of uh, Star Wars, which is more than a corner. He's got like two thirds of it at this point, but I kind of think like, I don't want too much intrusion from, like the the Clone Wars characters, even like Captain Cody or like those guys, like people from the Clone Wars or Rebels or things like that. Like I don't need to see those. I don't need cameos from like those other legacy characters. Keep it simple. Keep it focused on Obi Wan. Show Darth Vader when you need to, when it's appropriate. But I don't need it to be a fifty fifty split in terms of whose story this is. Yeah, I just I I don't want them to get too caught up in the minutia just yeah just um yeah i don't know make it make it entertaining <laughs> you know like give us the action when we need the action and the the melodrama where it's appropriate um i, I trust the i trust deborah chow again because she just delivered some, two great episodes of mandalorian and she seemed like she had a really good handle on this from the beginning um and the actors involved i can't think of anything else that's really going to derail it so i mean yeah, other than that, other than the the room the rumored ending, and if Reva's yeah. and, and if and if and if Reva's story ends up taking way too much of the narrative, then that's that's about the only thing that could uh that could derail it for me. I mean, I can I can accept that if they if they do fight twice, as long as Obi Wan wins the last one, which by all accounts he does, if they do fight twice, mm-hmm. I can live with it. But I just, yeah, I want Obi. I at least want them to do right by the character of Obi Wan and, and put him back on the on the path to where we know he's going to end up anyway. And I'll be, and I'd be okay with that. And getting some connective tissue between you, know, 
fleshing out the relationship with, between the Lars and, and Obi-Wan and Luke and all that. that that's a, that's a potential, that's a potential positive. And it would be curious to see that like the difference in Obi-Wan, let's say, oh, what Obi-Wan maybe was trying to do when he first was trying to blend in on Tatooine, maybe versus and what he does later on, you know, because yeah. uh, you, you could kind of suspect there's a difference because it looks like he's just trying to work his nine to five. In this, you know, when, when the show for the last 10 years and, and you kind of suspect that he wasn't doing that after, because again, if, if everybody was, if you wanted everybody to believe you were dead, you weren't going to, you wouldn't be going back and hanging out in the same places again. <laughs> I'm back. I wonder if he's going to, I wonder if he's going to reach out to Dexter Jester to get some more in- intelligence on what's going on. That's it. Yeah. Good old Dex, his buddy. Regarding the Vanity Fair thing, one of the things that I found interesting, which has nothing to do with this show and it's a show that in, that inherently I was not I'm not all that interested in. But when I when I read this part, that kind of intrigued me a little was the fact that I didn't know they were trying to lock in a manless Stenberg for the acolyte. That would make me inherently yeah. inherently much more interested in that show <laughs> if, if they do that. That would yeah. as, that would be that would be a coup if they could do that. Uh, but I, I didn't even know they were yeah, talk, they, they were talking to her about that. But. That, no, I think this is the first time they talked about anybody in terms of. Well, we we knew the show. There's uh, who's it? Leslie. I can't think of her last name, but that's the showrunner. Yeah, yeah, we heard uh, about her and we knew the head, the head, the head, at least the head writer. Yeah. Um, um, but um, yeah, I think this is the time we got any real specific concrete details. They said that it is technically part of the High Republic era. It's going to be a hundred years before the Phantom Menace. Um, and they kind of mentioned that like it, at this era. The Jedi are, you know, in their fancy white and gold robes. If you've followed any of the High Republic like books or novels and everything, you can kind of see what they like. But they kind of describe like that. They don't really see a lot of action, so they're kind of getting in their own like, you know, just kind of like. I know it sounds like they, it's a it's a time of like with extended peace. They kind of are more easily corruptible because they're just. I don't know. They've not got nothing else going on, so we'll see. I'm trying to think what else. Um, they did say that the uh, the show that John Watts, the director of the Spider-Man trilogy, is working on, uh, is is set in the same sort of Mandalorian period or, or post Return of the Jedi, um, and it's about a group. It's or he's casting like four, you know, kid actors or something. So they, they kind of said there were, there were some rumors about this a little while ago about him doing a sort of Stranger Things type of thing, or looking for like actors of that that age group, that cast or something like that. Um, but in star Wars, trying to think what else it said, the article, it confirmed, um, Obi-Wan is this, then Andor will come out a little bit later this year. Andor sounds, I wasn't that interested because I didn't like rogue one as much as other people did. And I didn't like rogue one mostly because I didn't care about any of the characters. Um, but if, if Andor makes me like casting Andor more and I like K2SO, that could be interesting. And it, this sounds like really it's sort of his story of how, how he becomes radicalized. And it sounds like maybe he came from a planet that was part of the separatists. And after the war, like what the empire does to his planet, um, kind of like pushes him around. And um, we also kind of follow a parallel track of Mon Mothma in the Senate, kind of like starting to feel this rebellion and, and the two of them, how they eventually come together, Cassian Andor and Mon Mothma uh, as disparate characters as they are. Um, so that one might be interesting. And then they said Mandalorian season three will either be the end of 2022 or very early in 2023. And then Ahsoka definitely 2023. Um, since, they, since they just started filming that show. Right. And I'm going to guess when it, when his star Wars celebration, it's the same weekend. It's uh, the 27th. Is that, is it the same weekend that Obi-Wan is coming out? I'm not actually, I, I must admit, I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember. I, I think, I think Star Wars Celebration is coming out right around the same time. I'm going to guess that we will get a teaser or like some sort of sizzle reel for Andor. And I bet we'll get some casting announcements for Ahsoka, um, including the rumored uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, if it ends up being Lars Mikkelsen who did the voice of Thrawn in Rebels, fine. I think he's a good actor and I would have no problem with him. I hope that they don't choose him just because he was the voice actor and the fans like him. I hope they actually did the due diligence and look for the best possible actor. Like I, I always get a little bit, a little bit weird when I see that, you know, like the, 
these shows or movies casting the actor that the fans really want because the fans don't always know what's in their best interest. <coughs> Reed Richards. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, to be fair, he didn't have that much to work with. <laughs> You can I, say that about the whole movie to a certain extent. I, I like the actor. If he ends up playing him, fine. But I just I don't want it to be a manifestation of the fans' will that put that into being. Just because, I as I said, fans we we often don't know what we want, and we even less often do we know what we need. So That's true. That's a good way of looking at it. We get tunnel vision very easily. May twenty sixth through May twenty ninth. Seems to be Star Wars celebration. Okay, so yeah, yeah, because yeah, I even think I like I think one of the events they're having for celebration is like a big, big theatrical screening for um, the first episode of Obi Wan or something like that. So yeah, I, I bet we get footage of Andor and casting announcements for Ahsoka there. I would say that's probably a safe bet, and. I'm interested to a large extent in all of the shows, um, unless they announce Book of Boba Fett season two. <laughs> oh, oh. The I, appendix, uh, uh, the, the the epilogue. No, I I, I can't uh, I can't even get into how much of the show of that disappointment. Like I don't I don't know. Yeah, I think it, that- it retro it 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 made me sort of almost actively hate the character of Boba Fett. Like, as one of those kids of the age group who grew up thinking he was the coolest thing in the world, even though he like knowing that he didn't do anything really of substance in the movies, just still thinking that all that potential. And now I'm just like every Mandalorian character they've introduced since Boba Fett has been more interesting than Boba Fett. That, just, that, that is true, in, in, including Jango Fett. <laughs> <laughs> Jango Fett was kind of, Jango Fett was actually quite interesting. They didn't, I mean, even when you just look at the script, considering he didn't, he got a decent amount of screen time in Attack of the Clones, considering, but considering the small little snippet of history that he was actually involved in of, of super relevance, mm-hmm. that kind of you know backstory and filling it in. Not only did he have a huge influence, it's just the fact that yeah, Jango Jango was a pretty interest was a pretty interesting character. And then I think the entire army of the Republic was basically him. <laughs> genetically enhanced but still he was the raw material that's that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah anyway um anything else no i just think i like i i'm trying i i don't feel like i'm like i'm not like like yeah yeah really i can't wait for obi-wan kenobi but i'm confident it will be good uh again just trusting the people involved the talent involved and just really wanting to see like I feel like this is something that fans have wanted for you and McGregor for a long time. They're like, you would been, you were, you were right for this role. We just wanted you to have somewhat better material. And yes. like, now you got it, kid. So let's just, let's do this. Um, and for that reason, I was kind of like, as I said, I don't really care what the story is because I know how Obi-Wan's story begins and I know how it ends and I know what the most important part of his story is. Ultimately, this is just going to be filler. It's just another chapter. So give me something that's emotional and action packed and fun. And I mean, clearly after all of the heartbreak, I'm still an easy mark for star Wars. So you don't have to do a whole lot else. Um, Yeah. Oh, I get it. I absolutely get it. I I'm cautiously optimistic. Let's mm-hmm. and that's and that's where I'm gonna stay until uh till it all's over with. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ryan, what do you have to what do you have to promote? Uh if you want to hear more of me, you can hear me on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Currently I've only got one show in the works, which is Cheers Cast, my index show of my favorite TV show of all time, Cheers. Uh, in the not-so-distant future, later on this year, um, I will be joining Siskoid on Fire & Water Team Up, where a couple of times a year, basically every three months or every four months, um, I will help Siskoid review a random issue of Marvel 2-in-1. Uh, nice. So the Thing. The Thing plus Guest. <laughs> yes. So. That, was a good, that was a good series. I have, mm-hmm. I have some fond memories of that, of that yeah. series. Uh, Right before I let you go and do my do our goodbye, on the sliding scale of one to ten, how how much how much do you? I'm trying to phrase this the right way. That would take five minutes on to itself. Uh, how little confidence do you have in Halloween ends? 
Oh. <laughs> is that happening this year? Yes. Is that a 2022 yes. release? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, um, okay, so with the quick turnaround, I'm guessing they didn't do a lot of drafts of the script. <laughs> Even though technically speaking, it could have been written in advance, because don't forget, Holler sure, and Kells was released true, a year true. too late. Um, oh, God, the last one left such a bad taste in my mouth. It's I horrible. can't. It's horrible. I can't give you. I watch a lot on HBO Max and, and it's in the stupidity of it. That's part of the reason why I watch it. It's, and I watch it to fall asleep too. But I watch it and it's like, oh my God. It's like the, nobody does anything smart in that. I think the entire, that entire movie. Uh, uh, no, so you, very little confidence like me. Very little, very little. Um, God, I, I'm going to see it too. Oh, of course. I'm going to see it too. I'll see it open night, but, but it's good, but it's not going to be it. good. <laughs> And and I'll come on your show and we'll talk about it and I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm probably gonna be mad at you. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate, but, but I'll t- but I'll take one for the team. Um, <sighs> but hey, Creed Three. I I knew nothing about like I, other than just yeah they were going to be doing it. I didn't know anything until I saw the picture of um Jonathan Majors, uh, future Kang, uh who's who's gonna be in it too. So that was oh. exciting. All right, let me wrap this up before we get bounced. Uh, okay. Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GeoCast to track us down there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or text, 708-Lantern, 708-Lantern, and let us know what you think. And yes, if you still want our Discord link, Email us at lanterncast at gmail.com and we will send that to you. So thank you again, Ryan. We've had, oh, it's always fun when we record. And yeah, I doubt we'll do a postmortem on the show, but if not, it's probably the next thing we'll probably the next thing we will do will be uh will be Halloween because it's hard to believe, but or we also have the option, hopefully, which will be better of Creed of Creed three. Like we said, Creed three. Creed three is is we can we can keep our fingers crossed that Creed three will be a will be a mm-hmm. surprise. Yeah, I'm hoping for something good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be our it for our Obi-Wan preview episode. Good night, everybody. Good night. Green Lantern's Light will be with you always. Thank you, Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs>